Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. Get ready for your life to be changed by today's message from Pastor Jeremiah Hosmer. Man, there's going to be some people set free today. (laughs) And I praise the Lord for it. I want you to go in your Bibles today to Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. We're going to continue this series on the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I'm trying to get to point three today of the baptism in the Holy Ghost. We've been doing that for two months now. Amen. (laughs) But God's got so much to say right now. And there's so many people that are hungry. How many are hungry for more of God? Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, why didn't you put your hand up? I said, how many are hungry for more of God? Amen. (laughs) So praise the Lord for that. Hallelujah. So God's just got so much to say. We haven't even tapped into the gifts of the Spirit yet. I'm going to get there, Lord willing. I'm going to get there, so just stick with us. But we have to lay some foundation. We have to lay some foundations for this thing. Praise God. Luke chapter 3 and verse 15, the Bible says, Now as the people were in expectation, and all reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not, John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but there is one coming, or one mightier than I that is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and what? Come on, shout it again. Amen. Now I want you to go over. I want you to go over to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to skip over a few scriptures today so I can read uh, a good bit of Acts chapter 2. Praise the Lord. Who is it that baptizes you with the Holy Ghost and fire? It is Jesus. It is Jesus. So people who say, I don't want that stuff right there. I don't want that, that baptism. I don't want that speaking in tongues stuff. I need, you to st- I need to let you know you're not talking to me. I can't even give it to you. I might can lay my hands on you and he, I might be a conduit at which he decides to flow through, but I can't give you the Holy Ghost because, I listen, he ain't mine. I don't own him. He owns me. Let the church say amen. So, so I need you to understand that the Lord, Jesus, the one who died for you, wants to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and it sat upon each one of them. And some of them were filled with the Holy Ghost. That ain't what the Bible says. And all were filled. How many? All were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Verse 12. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said, they are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said, uh, men of Judea and all dwell in Jerusalem. This, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose. Since this is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. That it shall come to pass in the last days. How many believe we're in the last days? If you don't believe it, you need to wake up. My God, even the lost people know we're in the last days. Even the sinners know we're in the last days. My God, wicked Hollywood knows we're in the last days. They're making movies about it. Hallelujah. That in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men's servants and my maid servants I will pour out of my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever I said whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Give the Lord a praise if you believe the word today. Hallelujah. 
Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you this morning that we have the privilege to come before your word. We have the privilege to hear from you. Spirit of the Lord God, I ask you to take control right now. I ask you to take control. Come and arrest every person. Lord, there are many of us here today. Father, because of things we've been through, because of things we've experienced, because of our upbringings, or because of what has happened in the past or the, pre, or the current season, we build up walls and we build up mindsets that are resistant to the Holy Ghost and resistant to what He wants to do. But Father, today I decree the chain breakers in the house. The wall remover is in the house. I decree the yoke destroyer is in the house. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray that your spirit would move all over this place and even across the airwaves as people watch right now. Captivate them, God. Arrest them, God. And don't let them up until they say yes to your will, God. In the name of Jesus, I thank you today, God. And I decree and declare this to be a, a season-changing moment for some people, a life-changing moment. I decree and declare right now that people are leaving behind the sin and the weights that so easily beset them, and they're moving on to the grace and the power of God today. In the name of Jesus, I thank you. Now, God, look upon my availability and not my ability today. Speak through me the words of life. Grant me a prophetic utterance. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of Jesus. And everybody shout amen. Hey, listen, let, just, just put your hands together today before you're seated for the word of God. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Praise God. Now, I'm not going to go into much of an introduction uh, because if I get into introduction, I ain't going to preach what I got here. And I feel like what I got here, I feel like the Lord gave to me and I believe it needs to be released at this time at this, for these people. Praise the Lord. But uh, number one, I just want to do a real quick recap. Number one, I said the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire is the second work of, of the Spirit or the second work of grace. And I told you that when you get born again, how many people are born again? Lift your hand. Well, that lets me know how many folk got to get saved today. Oh, hallelujah. My God, we ought to have an altar call at the end of this service. Amen. I said, how many are born again? Lift your hand. Praise the Lord. Now, when you get born again, I need you to understand that the Holy Ghost baptizes you into the body of Christ. That's, a, that's according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. And then according to Luke chapter 3 and verse 16, the Bible says that Jesus baptizes you into the Holy, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost and fire. So I, I want you to understand today, it's kind of like this. If you need an illustration, when you get born again, uh, the, when the Holy Ghost puts you or places you into the body of Christ, when you get born again, he takes you out of Egypt. How many are glad you ain't in Egypt no more? But when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, that's the Holy Ghost getting Egypt out of you. And there's some of us that have crossed the Jordan, but we still got Egypt in us. Oh, hallelujah. But I'm telling you, I'm preaching of a baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire that will get Egypt out of you. It ain't a waving of a magic wand. It is the power of the Holy Ghost. It ain't no pixie dust and it ain't no magical potion. It is a submission to the Holy Spirit that'll keep working and keep convicting and keep driving them demons out and keep breaking yokes until one day you can stand up on the stage and say, I am redeemed. I am free free from the chains of hell, and I'm no longer tormented by that which used to be in my past. Oh, I feel like preaching now. So I want you to know that is, that was number one about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Then I told you last week we preached the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire, eh, that, that is the language giver. Now I'm going to give you a few scriptures. I'm not going to preach on this. You can watch last week's, you can last, last, uh, watch last week's uh, message, but Acts chapter 2 verse 1 through 4, uh, Acts 10, 44 through 46, Acts chapter 19, 1 through 6, and I want to give this one to you. I didn't tell you this last, not last week, but Isaiah 28, 11 through 12. Uh, you said, man, in the Old Testament, it talks about speaking in tongues. It sure does. 
Isaiah prophesied from Jesus, he said, with stammering lips and an unknown tongue, I will speak to these people, for this is the rest which I shall give you, but they would not listen. How many people today won't listen? They don't want to hear of the stammering tongue. They say, man, that's childish. They just sitting up there making a bunch of gibberish. Watch out. I wouldn't talk too much about what you don't know because Jesus said you can blaspheme me and it'll be okay. And you can blaspheme my father and it'll be okay. But he who blasphemes the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven of him. I always tell people if you don't know what you're talking about, the best thing to do is what? Oh, y'all said shut up, not me. That gives me permission to say it now. Shut up. And I told you two of the reasons why there's a resistance to this is number one was the misinterpretation or the misunderstanding of 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 12. You can look that up later. And then I told you the second, the second resistance, resistance or the, the second reason for resistance to this is, is uh, in the, it's the 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 38. And it says, the Bible says in there, do not forbid to speak with other tongues. So we know that even in the first church, even in the church of Corinth, there were some people that were starting to be resistant to the speaking in other, other tongues. But that's, that's all I got to say about that. Let's move on. Amen. I felt like Forrest Gump then. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> Number three, the baptism in the Holy Spirit and fire is the life changer. I want to talk about the Holy Ghost as the life changer today. I, I want to talk about the Holy Ghost that's coming in and changing everything in your life. If you ain't had your life turned upside down yet, you ain't met him right. <laughs> you ain't met him right because the Holy Ghost will come in and he'll turn tables over that wasn't supposed to be there. He'll drive out stuff of the temple that wasn't supposed to be there. And folk that was in there doing some stuff that ain't supposed to be in your life, you'll see them start parting ways too because he is the life changer. Can God's people give him a good God bless you today? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. When I was born again, I knew I was no longer the same person. I knew something had changed in my life, Pastor Antoine. I knew, my God, I walked out of the church and I, was a, I could feel life in me, you know. I knew that I was no longer the same person. I, I knew some things had changed, but even though I'd become a new creation, even though I was a new person, and even though I had peace with God, I was struggling with temptation not to go back to who I used to be. Hallelujah, I was struggling with it. See, folk don't want to talk like this in the church no more, especially not in a Holy Ghost church. You don't want to tell nobody you're struggling. You want to know why? Because you think that it, that it admits your weakness, but I got a scripture for you that when I'm weak, his strength is made perfect in me. Hallelujah. Glory by God's grace, I was baptized in the Spirit. One week after I was born again, oh, it was by the grace of God. He knew I wasn't going to be able to hold on long. He knew, my God, this boy right here has to have something more than what he has right now. Or are we going to have to be going after him again? Hallelujah. That whole week, though, that I wasn't baptized in the Holy Ghost, uh, that whole week I was, I was struggling with temptations to fall into these temptations. And I didn't fall into none of them, but it wasn't because I had the power to walk away. Well, one reason was because I had a, I had a brother that was born again and I started working with him. You know, one of the best things you can do if you're freshly born again is put yourself around born again people. Holly, can the church get a good amen for that? Glory. So I was, around, I was around someone who wasn't doing that mess anymore. Glory be to God. And so they put me, in, they put me serving in hell house immediately, praise the Lord. So, so that was covering some of my time up. And I, but the other reason why I didn't fall to temptations, it wasn't put in front of me that week. I give God praise for that. That was the grace of God. But how many of you know that those two, those two reasons right there don't last long? Sooner or later, the devil's going to find an opportunity to put it in front of your face. Sooner or later, you're not going to be around a bunch of Holy Ghost-filled people. And you're going to be all by yourself. Hallelujah. And you've got to have the power not to go back to who you used to be. Hallelujah. 
The next Sunday after being born again, I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. I walked out of the church that day and I went from dodging the traps of hell to walking right over them. I said I went from dodging them to walking right over them. Hallelujah. The power of God had filled me so much that I didn't even think about what I used to do. I didn't have a taste for it. I didn't want it anymore. I didn't care about it anymore. I didn't even think about it anymore. All I knew is something so supernatural had happened to a natural being that the God of heaven and earth had decided to tabernacle in this broken vessel and I am not who I used to be. Can the church say Amen. Hallelujah. I realized something supernatural had happened to me. My God, I realized that the Holy Ghost saved my life. He is the life changer. I feel that. I feel him. Uh, the, that first week of being born again, I was living where most of the church is living today. In between the resurrection and Pentecost. That's where most of the church is living today. You've been born again, but you don't have no power. You've been born again, but you don't have no joy. You've been born again, but you don't have no life inside of you. You don't have no zeal in front of you. And I want you to know today, just because you've been born again, that is not the end of Christianity. You have just began Christianity. Being born again is like making the first mile on the Daytona 500. Being born again is like the first two minutes of the Super Bowl football game. Being born again is like being in the first day of kindergarten to someone who's going to earn two PhDs at a prestigious university. You ain't done. You have just begun. The devil is a liar. And it's time that the preachers start preaching what God is really saying. And that is not all God has for you. All you did was step over the start line. Now pick up your sword. Now pick up your battle axe and start getting full of the power of God and go and do what the Lord has for you. My God. That's the reason the church has mindsets and, and oppositions against the baptism in the Holy Ghost because somebody stood up and told them this was all that you had for you. My God, are you kidding me? Therefore, most of the church is walking around as new creations but lack the power of a new creation. They lack the life of a new creation. They lack the zeal and the fire of a new creation. They lack the hunger and the desire for the things of God as a new creation. They lack the peace and joy of a new creation. Why? Because someone told them that they are to live their life between the resurrection and the, and the day of Pentecost. But I came to tell you, you're in a different place right now. You're around a different people right now. I don't want to live my life in between resurrection and Pentecost. I lived it for one week and I about died. I about died after one week of living in between resurrection and Pentecost. I don't see how some of you are making it. My God, you need to taste and see. <laughs> you need to taste and see that the Lord is good. Hallelujah. So let me get into this for a little bit today. Today I want us to, I want us just to look at the lives of the disciples and find out exactly, let's find out exactly when did their lives change? What happened that changed their lives? And when did this event happen? Because I want you to understand that in between the resurrection and Pentecost, the disciples were fearful and doubtful. Now you're going to notice that over the next few minutes, what I'm saying is describing much of the church today. Can I get a good amen? amen. It's describing much, much, much of the church today. John chapter 20 in verse 19, the Bible says, Then the same day at evening, being in the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, the doors were shut. For fear of the Jews, 
Jesus came and stood in the midst and said, peace be with you. Mark chapter 16, the Bible says later, he appeared to the leaven and he sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Beloved, this is an accurate description of the church today. Much of the church today is fearful of what might happen to them and is doubtful that God will show up and rescue them. I'm not asking you what you put on Facebook. (laughs) I'm not asking you what you tweet, and I don't really even care what you've got on your bumper sticker right now. I'm asking you where you're walking it out right now, church. I'm asking you, are you living this thing? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The problem with much of the church today is that we're not convinced, nor do we have faith that God is going to show up. David had so much faith in God, he said, Saul, I don't want your armor. (laughs) I don't need your armor. I don't even need your help. All I need you to do is let me go so I can go down there and do what God has called me to do. He he was confident that God was going to show up in the midst of this thing. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. See, that's when you hear people say, well, let me just, can I just confront the elephant in the room for a minute? Pastor Jason, come here, help me out for just a second. Praise the Lord. Glory be to God. Get this off of me. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Can I just confront the elephant in the room today? Well, pastor, you talk about all that stuff. God showing up, healing, delivering. He didn't do it for so-and-so. Well, he didn't show up for them. And I got somebody that I know they were Holy Ghost filled and, and they died in the middle of their stuff or they didn't, they didn't get rescued. So how can you stand up, uh, up there and say what you're saying right now? Last time I checked, their experience was not the infallible truth of God. The word of the living God is the infallible truth of God from cover to cover. He said, if I said it, it shall be done in the name of Jesus. I'm not trying to build my belief system and my doctrine off of what happened to sister so-and-so or what didn't happen to brother such-and-such. I'm building what I believe off the B-I-B-L-E. Let every man be a liar. Hallelujah. My God, what they didn't, he didn't do it for them. That ain't my business. But I'm here to tell you that heaven and earth shall pass away, but the word of the Lord shall remain forever. He said, I am not a man that I shall lie, but if I say it, I will do it. I'd rather go to my grave believing a truth than live believing a lie. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. That's the church when the disciples received the Holy Ghost in the upper room. They were no longer fearful and doubtful. My God, them same people that were hiding, them same people that were doubtful, they spilled out of that upper room in Acts chapter 2, and they began to exemplify and testify and prove that Jesus really was alive and well, and they were no longer fearful for the same people they were hiding from were the same people they started preaching to. Hallelujah. And what they doubted to happen in Christ. What they doubted would happen in Christ began to happen through their own hands. Glory. Hallelujah. That's what happens after, the, after you, you get full of the Holy Ghost. Oh, let me just tackle. I just heard that mindset get over. Well, I done spoke in tongues. I'm not asking you about your tongue talking. I'm asking you, are you full of the Holy Ghost? I'm asking you, are you full of the Spirit? I didn't ask you, have you been filled with the Spirit? I'm asking you, are you full of the Holy Ghost? Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I just stopped by to tell somebody today that if the Bible says he'll heal you, 
he'll heal you. If the Bible says he'll deliver you, then he'll deliver you. If the Bible says he'll provide for you, then he'll provide for you. If the Bible says he'll protect you, then he will protect you. And if the Bible says a thousand may fall on this side and 10,000 on my right hand, but none shall come near me, then you can take it to the bank, baby. It is done by God. Hallelujah. Give him praise if you believe the old school word of the Lord. Hallelujah. If you're struggling with fear and doubt, it's okay. You're in a safe place. All you need is a fresh trip to the upper room. You need a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire, church. Hallelujah. When that fire hits you, you ain't doubting and fearing no more. Glory be to God. Let me talk about this second one. This second one, the, when the, in between resurrection and Pentecost, the disciples were angry and offended. Oh, dear Lord. Angry and offended. John chapter 20, the Bible says, Now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve. He wasn't with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, they said, Thomas, we've done seeing the Lord. I want, I want you to pause. Look up here. I want you to hear the emotion in these next sentences. Because Thomas didn't just say, well, unless I put my, or what's that old, that English voice that you see on the moon? Unless I put my hands in his side, put my, unless I see his, no, 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 no. Thomas said, man, Whatever. Unless I see the sword mark in his side. Unless I see the marks in his hands. Y'all get away with me, that nonsense. He says, unless I see this stuff, I will not believe. Take your stories back to to the fairy tales. The Bible says after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them this time. Y'all, y'all know when somebody gets offended at church or, you know, don't want to come back to church, you, you keep on with them, you know, and then after about three or four weeks, they'll say, I'm going to come, but if I don't feel nothing, I ain't coming back. <laughs> y'all act like I ain't never heard that. I, I'm going to come, but if don't nobody talk to me, I ain't coming back. <laughs> Thomas said, I tell you what, I'm going to come down and have your meal with you so you'll leave me alone. And Thomas was banking on that Jesus doesn't doesn't visit angry and offended people. Thomas had, (laughs) he knew, my God, no, 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 Jesus don't visit angry and offended people. I'm going to get to stick in my pity for a little while. I'm going to get to anchor myself down in this stuff for a little while. And the Bible says that when they were in the inside and they sat down, Jesus came and the doors being shut and he stood in the midst of them. He said, peace to you. He said, Thomas, let's talk. He said, look at my hands, Thomas. Reach your finger in here. He said, reach your hand in here. He said, put it in my side. And watch what he said. And do not be unbelieving, but be believing. And Thomas answered and said, my Lord and my God. If there were ever two words that describe the time in which we live in in today, it would be angry and offended. Hallelujah. Everywhere you go. Everything you see, there is people acting out because they are angry and they are offended. They, they, and, and I expect it out of the world because the world don't have the spirit, nor can the world receive the spirit lest they repent and receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. But I can't understand is people who are being filled with the Holy Ghost living in anger and walking in offense. The church as a whole is full of people who are angry. They're angry with this person, angry with that person, angry how things are going, angry because things aren't going. The church is full of people who are offended at their spouse, offended at the leadership, offended at their brother and sister in Christ. And if you get down to the very bottom, they're offended at themselves. And you want to know why? Because you ain't been to the upper room in a while. 
For when these disciples came out of that upper room, they were no longer angry. They were no longer mad. They were no longer bitter. They were no longer offended. They spilled out with the love and the joy and the power of the Holy Ghost. And they didn't care what anybody said about them. And they didn't care what had happened in the past. They came with one message. And that is Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he did it back then, he can do it today. They came with the message that Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the savior. Jesus is the spirit and fire baptizer. Hallelujah. They came with a message. Glory be to God. We this way because we refuse to go up to the upper room. Holding on to ourselves. Holding on to to me. Have you ever ever noticed why ex-drug addicts seem to get filled with the Holy Ghost so easy? Let me help you out. They understand a little bit. Because when they used to take drugs, they took drugs to lose control. So when they took the drug, they knew. I'm about to lose control, and I'm cool with it. I'm okay with this. So I'm going to take this acid, and I'm going to trip for 24 hours, and I'm cool with it. Well, when you tell them, come down here and lose control, and I'm going to give you the trip you've never, that drug couldn't give you. I'm going to give you the life that drugs couldn't give you. I'm going to give you the power that the devil couldn't give you. They walk down and say, here you go. I'll lose control. That's what some of you need to do. You come down wanting the power. You come down wanting the Holy Ghost, but you don't really want the Holy Ghost. You want, your, you want the Holy Ghost under your control. And until you break and until you lose control and say, I give it all to you, Holy Ghost, I tell you, you'll be left with your own power, your own strength, and your own wisdom. My God, I feel like preaching. You'll be left with yourself is what you'll be left with. My God, but I'd tell you if you'll come down and you'll break (laughs) and you'll break before God and you'll believe, then you shall receive. If you'll break and you'll believe, you shall receive. If you'll break and you'll believe, you shall receive. But let's be honest. Some of us come down and say, I want the Holy Ghost so I can go tell people I got the Holy Ghost. I want the Holy Ghost so I can go tell people I spoke in tongues. I want the Holy Ghost because I want to tell somebody I felt the goosebumps. I want the Holy Ghost because I can go tell somebody I fell out. Can I tell you something? The Holy Ghost is not some arm that you pull when you're ready to have a good time. The Holy Ghost is the third person of the Trinity. He is God in and over your life as long as you are on this earth. And I'm telling you, if you'll come into communion and fellowship with him, he'll put a fire inside of you. He'll put a power inside of you. He'll put a boldness inside of you. And before you know it, you'll be forgiven people you once hated. You'll be friends with people you are, that used to be your enemy. And you'll start giving when you used to be so greedy. Couldn't nobody pinch a penny out of you. Couldn't nobody smile at you. Couldn't nobody do nothing. God will change your life upside down when you get full of the Holy Ghost. That's what needs to happen. My God, I wish one time this one guy, he's, 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 anyway. I don't know what to say about him, really. But he said, I, I know what you got in the church, Pastor. I said, really, what are you talking about? He said, you've got these little things that shock people on their bottoms. <laughs> my brother's my witness. He said, so when you want a little bit of energy in the church, you hit this button and it shocks everybody and they jump up. I said, I don't think I could have thought of a more fleshly response. Shocking people on their butts so that they'll jump. I wish I had it for some of you. My God, I'd lay on it for a little while and get you out of your comfort zone. Hallelujah. You wouldn't be sitting there with your arms crossed if I could put about 110 to you right quick. Bam. You say, sister, so-and-so's got the Holy Ghost. I'd say, she sure does. 
She's got something. <laughs> Just never mind that burn mark. I'd like to lay on it for some of you. Hallelujah, but that's how the world thinks. The world thinks that way. One day, one, somebody was talking to one of my staff members. And they said, what is that? And I ain't going to say the word he used. What is that stuff y'all put on, their, put on their head so people will fall out? As if, as if we're wiping our hands in something and when you breathe it, you're going to hit the floor. Now, I'm just, I know this is funny, but this is how the world thinks. We don't think like the world. We know we serve a supernatural God. We know we serve a powerful, a powerful God. We know we serve the Spirit of the Lord that is able to come into a natural being and do something so supernatural that the natural being can no longer stand up under the supernatural power of God. Hallelujah. That's how the world thinks. We don't think that way. Amen. Glory be to God. We need a trip. He needs a trip to the cross and then to the upper room. And he'll realize, ain't nobody wiping nothing on your face to make you fall down. That's God. Hallelujah. Let me get to this next. Number three. The disciples were, before, before the day of Pentecost, they were position-minded, not presence-minded. In Acts 1, verse 6, they said, Therefore, they, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Let me tell you what they're asking. They are not asking, is there about to be a spiritual kingdom in the earth? They're not even really referring to the millennial reign of Christ as much. They are and they're not. As much as they are referring to, Jesus, we've been your inner circle for three and a half years now. They're not asking for spiritual power to make the lame walk, the deaf to hear, and the blind to see. They're not asking for spiritual power to make demons leave and make people bow their knee and get saved. They're not asking for spiritual power to drive out devils and to proclaim the Lord's uh, name in the earth. They're asking for power to rule over people. Jesus said, it's not your business. When that's going to happen. He said, you're not going to get power to rule over people. He said, but go and wait in Jerusalem and I'm going to give you power to rule over the devil. Oh, glory. That's what I'm talking about right there. You see, they knew the Messiah's throne one day would be set up on the earth. They were good Jewish boys. They knew they'd been taught this. One day the Jewish Messiah is coming and he's going to set up his throne on the earth. And the people that are with him, they're going to have, they're going to have seats beside him. And so they were sitting there saying, hey, is now when you're going to do that? Because I want my seat. I want my position. I want, my, I want that title in front of my name. And Jesus said, this ain't for you. And I want you to know that after the day of Pentecost, they were no longer worried about a position anymore. Hallelujah. They wasn't worried about if they were going to be seated beside Christ. You want to know why? Because when they got the Holy Ghost, they realized they were seated in Christ in heavenly places. They realized that I don't need to be seated, sitting beside him. My God, I'm in him. I'm in him, hallelujah. Who wants to be beside him when I can be in him? I'm already seated with Christ in heavenly places and it is not I who live, but Christ who lives inside of me. Hallelujah. They realize that I don't have to wait until I get to heaven to have the presence of God, but I can turn around and get in the presence of God on earth right now. And the manifested presence that he promised me in John chapter 17 and in John chapter 16, that same manifested presence will manifest in my life. I don't have to wait until I'm in heaven. God can manifest himself right here on the earth through the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And everything changed. They didn't care about a title anymore. They didn't care about a position anymore. Matter of fact, they write and said, I must decrease while he increases. They begin to realize I don't need a position. I need his presence. I need his presence. But that happens, church, when you've been to the upper room. That happens when you've been in that place. Now, number four, and then I'm done. 
in between the resurrection and Pentecost, the disciples were shame-stricken, fruitless, and beginning to backslide. Oh, pastor, I've backslidden. I know that's the reason you're here. John chapter 21, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Now, that's not, that's not let me go get my bait casters and go catch a few bass, have fun. That is, I'm going back to what I used to do. Let me say it in, in, in the Christianese. I didn't sign up for this. They said to him, we're going with you also. So now he's leading, the whole, he's leading the rest of the disciples to backslide. They went out immediately and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had come now, Jesus stood on the shore, and yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to him, children, have you any food? He already knew they didn't have nothing. He answered, they answered him and said, no. He said, he said, cast your net on the right side of the boat. You'll find some. They cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. When I read this passage of Scripture, it, every time I read it, it has a way of shaking me. It shakes me to my core. Why? Because I realized that the man, the, the man who had received one of the greatest revelations of Jesus during his earthly ministry had fallen into a dark place. This man who had declared Jesus to be the son of the living God was now leading others down a backsliding path. For Peter had received the revelation from the Father God, that, and, and not many days after that revelation, Jesus stood all by himself. Accused of blasphemy, being beaten, Peter was questioned whether he knew Jesus or not, and he said, I know not the man. I know not the man. Later, a little girl comes and says, you're one of them, aren't you? And he begins to cuss, and there's a difference between cursing and cussing. begins to cuss and he says I know not the man now I know the movies show you that that these these th these two uh, incidents were were uh, away from each other but actually if you begin to study where that happened and where Jesus was he was in ear distance from Christ and Jesus looked at him as the rooster crowed and he denied the man he had a powerful revelation of at this moment Shame covers Peter like a blanket. I'm going to talk to some people who were struggling with shame. In Peter's mind, there is no going back from this. In his mind, he's committed to, he has committed the unpardonable sin. Now that shame has covered his heart and his soul. He decides to go back to what he used to do. I'm going back to who I used to be. He decides to go back living the life that he lived before he met Jesus. This was his only reasonable answer to what he had experienced. We know this to be true because in Mark chapter 16, verse 7, the angel tells Mary, listen to what he tells him. He says, go tell the disciples and Peter. In other words, I know he's out there straying. And I know he's out there backslidden. And I know he's out there in a place where he's not right, but go tell him that Jesus has raised from the dead. And in John 21, Peter says, I'm going fishing, but this was not the fishing trip. They just go do this. This was, I'm going back. And the Bible says they fished all night, caught nothing. You see, Peter didn't realize this. Here we go, Miss Molly, come. Peter didn't realize this. There was no fruitfulness left for him on that side of Christ. Can I tell you backslider? Can I tell you those of you that have not been to the upper room in a long time? There's no, there's no fruitfulness left for you on that side of Christ. None. Oh, you can work your fingers to the bone and you can make a million dollars tomorrow, but it'll fall out of the same sack you put it in the next day. 
this same crowd that was shame-stricken and fruit, fruitless and backsliding, watch this, comes out of the upper room so full of the Holy Ghost that people thought they were drunk with wine. That don't sound like people who are in shame anymore, does it? That don't sound like people walking around with their head down anymore, does it? That don't sound like people who were so guilt-ridden that they didn't know what to do anymore, does it? No, they had been filled with the Holy Ghost. And that day, the Holy Spirit done something so powerful and life-changing that they were no longer burdened by their sins of yesterday. They were no longer burdened by the shame and despair. They were no longer weighed down by their shortcomings. But now, everybody shout now. Come on, shout now. Now they have no more shame. Their lives are so fruitful. Listen to this. Their lives are so fruitful that God takes 120 starts the church and now there are millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of people worshiping and serving the Lord because their lives were so fruitful. They would never backslide again. I'm going to stand up real quick. They never backslide again. Matter of fact, you read their history. Read their history. They'd tell them to deny him, and they said, I can't. Peter says, I don't care. You can crucify me upside down. I ain't, I ain't going through that again. <laughs> I know what that's like. I'd rather die on this earth than deny him on this earth. Do what you got to do. You read their stories. You, you read about how John was bold and old. Exiled to an island. Read about how James had his head cut off. You read all these different stories, but one thing they didn't do. They didn't backslide again. Why? They'd gotten filled with the Holy Ghost. They were full of the Holy Ghost and fire. They were so full that no matter what, no matter what, they would not go back. What does the church need right now? I'm talking about the church as a whole. The church as a whole. My God, we need altar calls being given every stinking Sunday. Whether one person comes or a hundred people come. We need altar calls given. We need people repenting. And we need people getting full of the Spirit of the Lord. If the church will come back to the upper room, I'm telling you, everything around us would change so fast that you, your head would spin. But the church is standing outside, hearing the noise up there and mocking those who come down. That's for them, not me. That's for her, not me. That's for his youth group, not mine. When will we get to the place where we say, God, if it was enough for Jesus and it was enough for the disciples, it's enough for me. Father, thank you for your word today. God, thank you for what you're doing in this place. I sense a move of the Holy Spirit. I sense people. I sense shame falling off of people right now. I sense the power of God coming back in people now. I sense anointings being restored. I sense you calling people to the upper room again I sense fear falling off of people I sense doubt falling off of people God oh Lord I thank you for that I sense God the desire for a position leaving and the desire for your presence coming oh Lord let the church get infatuated with your presence again 
that they get full of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Oh, glory be to God. Lord, come on, lift your hand and say this after me. Lord, come on, say it, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I need a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. Look upon me, Lord. I'm needy. I'm hungry. Fill me again, God. I repent of the things that I have done that left me dry, that left me starving, that left me empty. I repent. Fill me again, God. Now, come on and just lift your voice and just right now, if you're, if you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, pray in tongues right now. If you're not, just begin to praise Him and just begin to thank Him. And the Holy Ghost is going to fill you today. And you're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost in fire. Those watching right now, lift your hands and begin to pray and begin to thank God. You need to get full of the Holy Ghost in fire. My God. The church must return to its roots. The church must return to its fire. The church must return to the upper room and get its passion back. Hallelujah. Yeah, come on. of your sins. You cannot receive the Holy Ghost unless you have repented and the blood of Jesus has been applied. But if you repent, the Bible says ask and you shall receive. Knock and the door shall be opened. Seek and you shall find. We love you and we bless you today. Come on. We pray you were blessed by today's message. For more content and to get to know us better, download our app at AbundantLifeChurch.com